0: That we pray oh God that even as we as I'm about to share this word that you have placed on my heart, we pray oh God that it will be met with receptive hearts. We pray, oh God, that the, the merit of this word will not be judged by the amens or the shouts, Lord, but it will be judged by the change that it will cause people to make so that they can be on that and the journey to make help them on this journey. To become more and more like you. So Father, we just pray you just help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be led by your spirit. Um, and to deliver the word that your people desires And that your people need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today I'm going to speak with us um, about um, receiving our breakthrough. Receiving our breakthrough. And this kind of started a couple Weeks ago, when we were in prayer on a Thursday, and we called, um, I think Minister Earl asked um, um, Deacon Gates to pray, and he gave us a nice mini sermon. A nice mini sermon. And then, you know, it was followed by, you know, a prompting by the Holy Spirit, I would say, to me, um, just a word about breakthrough. And, And it came to me like this it is that. As a church, as a people, sometimes we are more um, fascinated or by the idea of a breakthrough. The idea of a breakthrough. Always wanting a breakthrough. But what the Lord actually wants is us to live a life of breakthrough. It's for us to live a life of breakthrough. And so that kind of get me going on this breakthrough thing. And um, who knows? The Lord led me to some a passage which kind of have me... Um, sharing today, and receiving your breakthrough. Uh, because sometimes the truth is we want to receive a breakthrough, but we haven't done some analysis. We haven't taken stock. We haven't taken the time out to figure out what is really going on here. Um, you know, am I the one who is hindering my breakthrough? Um, is there something that I should be doing you know, in order to hasten my breakthrough? Um, the truth is, sometimes when it comes to church, we cannot Stop and say, hey, I'm believing the Lord, but we don't want to do anything. Amen? So turn your Bibles with me to the book of John. John chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read from verse 1 through 9. John 5, 1 through 9. And it reads as follows. I know you all have um, electronic devices now, so it's like a, I don't hear pages anymore. It's like just boom, boom. And you're there. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramic is called Bethesda. Say Bethesda. 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 Um, in some version, it says Bethseda. And every time I look at it, I see Bethsheba. But it's actually Bethesda. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, And these colonnades are actually like columns. Um, In the old Roman, Roman, if you look old Roman movies, you would see huge columns. Those are what they call the colonnades. So it was surrounded by five colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. Amen? Who knows that 38 years is a long time? It's a long time. I'm 40 and I tell you, I've been here for a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him this question, do you want to get well? So the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, when I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Amen. If we, if we, my first, um, you know, my first point or my first thought here is in order for us to get a breakthrough, we have to first find out what's holding us back. Um, what's your condition? You know, if you, if we start with verse 3, it says here a great number of Disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. You see, I'm sure this man was, was waiting by the pool. He had dreams. He had aspirations. He, he probably wanted to go places, people to see, um, you know, things to do. He maybe wanted to have a family. But he was paralyzed, and it limited his ability to live the life that he wanted for himself. It limited the ability to live the life that probably God had intended for him. He had a condition that lasted for 38 years. And as I said earlier, that is a long time. The truth is, for some of us, we may have a condition that has been preventing us from getting a breakthrough, from going where God wants us to go. And it may not have been that it is... 38 years that we have that condition, it may be a month, it may be six years, it may be five years, but something is holding us back. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is it that is paralyzing us? What is it that is holding us back from exploring or doing the very thing that God has called us to do, or to live the life that God has called us to do, to live? There are many things that we could be, that could have been holding us back. You know, I will always say that one of the worst things that can happen to anybody, and I say anybody, is to live a life where you feel like you are just stuck. One step forward, two steps backwards. You move forward today, and tomorrow you're backwards. You know, it's like a sin that holds you down, and you try to overcome it, and you overcome, and then you find yourself doing the same thing over and over again. It is one of the worst things To feel like you're stuck. The worst thing. And in order for us to get that breakthrough. To move from that position. We have to do what I call a self-examination. We have to look within ourselves and find out. What is it that is holding. That is preventing me from achieving my goal. We talk about this being our sweet 16. And the truth is we have what? Six more months to go. Or less than six more months to go. And we may have had goals at the beginning of the year. We may have, you know, have five points that we wanted to achieve this year. But for some reason, nothing has been done up to this point. As a matter of fact, we even forgot. We even forget about what those plans were. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is it that is preventing us? For some of us, if we go into the, 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 the nitty-gritty of it, it is we may have such low self-confidence. You know, I had that for many years, where I would be just like, you know, let somebody else do it. Um, I would not be in the front. I would not be in the front. I would not be up here speaking. I guarantee you that. Um, but we may have low self confidence, and because of that, we it restricts us from doing anything that would stretch us beyond where we our own our current position. It may be that we are we are just still hooked up on our mommy and daddy issues, We're, you know, mommy didn't do this to me, daddy didn't do this for me, and so guess what? That is causing us to limp, limp along. We can't shake some of those things that have been holding us back. For some of us, it's just bad money management. We want to have a, a better life for ourselves, or a better life for our families, but we just can't figure out how to budget anything. We can't figure out how to live within our means. For some reason if we get ten dollars, we're gonna spend eleven dollars somehow. We will figure out a way to spend eleven or even fifteen and, you know, put five on the credit card and then say we figure out how to pay that later. The Lord will make a way indeed. But that's not what the Lord wants us to do. Because the Lord asks us to be what? Good stewards of our finances. And being a good steward means you don't spend what you don't have. You spend what you have only. But not only spending, you save and you invest so that you can be a good steward. You multiply what you have. Amen? Amen. But for some of us, it may be finances. It may be, some of us may be hurt by somebody. You know, I can't remember, you know, it could be that for a young lady, it could be, hey, you may have been hurt by a an ex-boyfriend may have said something to you who um and he's probably married now and have wife and kids and you're still stuck because he may have said to you nobody's gonna want you and you're holding on that for the rest of your life saying hey there may be a guy who comes around but you're like i don't think he's gonna want me because in the back of your head you're still living those negative thoughts that someone has said to us. And the truth is, for some of us, we hold on to negative um, pronouncements of our lives as if they are prophecies. Okay. You know, people may have said something about you that, you know, is, is not right. I mean, within your spirit, you know, deep down in your belly, you know it is not for you. But for some reason, if they say, hey, you know, oh, you preach? No. Absolutely not. You hold on to that thing like the prophecy. And the truth is when it comes to the real prophecies that have been spoken, we let those go. We sweep those was under the carpet. We, someone might prophesy and say to you, hey, you're an evangelist. And you said, no, the devil is a liar. I am a backbencher. I am not going to prophesy. I am not going to evangelize because that is not what I believe God has called me to do. But the truth is, if someone has said to you, listen, you are a backbencher and you should not do a a thing in the house of God, you will be like, thank you, Jesus. I am sitting right in this chair and I'm not doing a thing for God. But when it comes to to accepting certain things about God, we tend to um, when it comes to accepting the the, 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 the word of God over our lives, we tend to Push it to the side. But if it's a negative thing, we hold on to it like it is gospel. And the truth is that it's something that holds us back to. But first, we have to really identify what is the thing that is holding you back. You've got to identify it. This man, you know, he was paralyzed. He was lying there for 38 years. That was his condition. And the truth is, you know, when you look into the if you look deeper into yes i was read i was really doing some deep reading into this thing if you look into the condition here the bible says it is not that he was paralyzed wholly it could be that he was paralyzed only to a certain extent and sometimes the truth is you know we are paralyzed to a certain extent you know the truth is that you know instead of running 10 at, at 100 miles per hour we are running at 50 Because we are paralyzed to a certain extent, it is not like we are like totally defeated by the enemy, but the truth is we are partially defeated. You know, it's like somebody who wants to serve the Lord with all their heart. It's like somebody who wants to really give off their gifts and talents to the Lord, but there is a sin that is so easily besetting them, and they can't do it because they know that within the back of their head there is something that the devil has been holding me down with, and because of that they just do will not ever experience the full extent of the giftings that the lord has that he wants to use through them because that very sin is partially paralyzing them from fully being fit so that they can run the race that the lord wants and the question we have to ask ourselves is what is the condition that we are in are we fully wounded or are we just paralyzed to a certain extent and if we are partially paralyzed, then we have to identify that very thing that has been partially paralyzing us. That is causing us to limp. And address that very thing in order to receive your breakthrough. The breakthrough will not come until we go to that very thing. So that we can run freely. Get it fixed. Get it healed. Bring it to Jesus. So that he can touch it. That's the very first thing we have to do, really identify the condition. The next thing that we have to do is question ourselves, do we really have what I call independent determination to get well? Do we have independent determination to get well? Are we determined to break free? Or, or has this, paral- th- this condition become our norm? That we have become comfortable in this situation? In other words, we have learned how to live with this limp. We have learned how to live with this limp. In other words, we ha- have we lost the zeal to be totally free? Or have we convinced ourselves that listen, this is me this is my trial you know, this is my trial this is my thing you know so probably this is just for me to walk around with the truth is we really have to figure that out do we really have determination to get well do we really want to get loose? Have we lost hope that this can actually be healed? You know, when, you know, this guy was carrying this thing for 38 years, so you would have, you know, I'm sure we will understand if he had lost hope. When you're carrying something for a while, you really get tired. It tires you out. So it is easy, it is understandable if we really lose that determination to get well. If we read the text, you know, in verse 6 it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And, you know, you know when I was reading this text, I stopped and was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, why is Jesus asking the man he knows, I mean, this is Jesus. He knows all things. And he know. why is he asking this man, do you want to get well? You know, in my time, they would say, Da, why am I here? I'm at this pool, da, like seriously. Um, Duh. Um, or they would say, pray to Like seriously, the reason why I want to get well, yes. You know, that's why I am here. But I believe Jesus asked him that question because he wanted to find out did this guy still want it? Because the fact that you are lying there doesn't necessarily mean that you want it. It doesn't mean that you want it. You may be just lying there. Hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. When the water stirs, You know, hey, listen, it's been 38 years. I'm sure somebody else is going to go in the pool this time. And he said, do you want to get well? He wanted to know from this guy, do you still want it? Do you still have that passion, that desire to be healed? And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do you still have that desire, that passion to get your breakthrough? Whatever your breakthrough is, because for every single one of us here, Or breakthrough is different. You know, for one person, it may be, hey, I have been struggling with this sin. I just need to get it off of my back, like yesterday. Like, I am tired of it. For somebody else, it's just different. You know, it's just different. I need to be a better husband. It could be, hey, I need to be a better wife. Hey, I just need to be a better Christian. How about that? I just need to pray a little bit. Can I just pray once a week for somebody? Like somebody, it's like, for some reason I just don't, I can't pray. No matter how I try. And their breakthrough may be, hey, can I get to the point where I pray once a week? Once a day. But everybody's breakthrough is different. And the truth is, Jesus wanted to know that these guys had the passion, the the, the drive to get it done. Could it be that the reason why we haven't seen our church grow the way it should be? Is because we have lost the passion as a church, the drive as a church to see our church grow. Could it be that we have lost every single, uh, you know, the, 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 the strong desire, the just the will to see souls being saved? We are glad for Brother Isaac. But could it be that there are more Brother Isaacs who walk in here and walked out but we missed it because we were just lukewarm. Not on fire. Not looking like, hey, there's another soul walking here. Uh, could it be that that is the case? That the reason why we are we, we're in this state where we're just like, it's because we we have lost the desire, the true passion, the, the true the true the first love I call it, the first love to see souls being saved, to see our church just expanding, just to see true worship going forth. Where it is not necessarily about but what is going on in here, but everyone in here who's worshiping has that connection, that that, that connection with Jesus. when you walk into His presence, you're just like, Oh Lord, I love You, I love You. And you know, when you, and worship is not just the first time you do worship for the week is when you walk in here, and and the worship team says, "Come on, come on, come on." But the truth is, if you have passion and desire, when you're at home in your car, you will be there worshiping and saying, "Jesus, I love you." So when you walk in here, it's that extension of that worship. It is not the beginning of your worship. I believe the, one, the Lord wants us to move as a church to that, in that direction where we, have, we, we relight that passion within us. The desire within us to see that first commandment come to pass. Where he says, go out and make disciples. Where When we see someone, what we see is a soul that needs to be converted to Christ. Where he takes us back to just loving him, like that, just appreciating him, appreciating him for who he really is. You know, one of the reasons I also thought when Jesus asked the man, um, do you want to get well, is, is that the truth is one of the worst thing you could ever do is to give a gift to someone who doesn't appreciate it. because they're going to abuse it, they're going to take it for granted. And sometimes, you know, we have taken our salvation for granted. We have taken the fact that Jesus died on the cross. We have taken it totally for granted. We are like an autopilot going through the motions where people are dying and going to hell and the church is just like sleeping, sleeping. With no care in the world, don't care, like, hey, they die and gone to hell. Oh, gee. I am saved. We have become selfish as a people. We have our salvation, and that is all that matters. It's me and sweet Jesus. But He said we should go. And we have to have that determination. Still, that's still that determination, that drive to go, to go out and make disciples of man. But we have to be determined. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. One of the, you know, determination is, is just a funny thing. I, I have to tell you. My boy came into my, you know, I decided I was not going to... Um, write a sermon this time, but for some reason this morning I got up and I said, you know, I gotta put it down on paper. I trust my paper, you know, my brain will slip. And I was in my my little office in the basement doing, just typing it out, and my little son came down, he woke up and I heard him screaming upstairs, daddy, daddy, where are you? And he came down in the basement and said, son, you know, he said, I want to do something. He, He took his math book and he opened it and he said, I am I'm going to do some math now, Daddy. This is, you know, like 7.30 a.m. in the morning. He wants to do math. And he sat on my lap, and I, I didn't say anything. He saw me doing my thing. He didn't say any, He didn't say, Daddy, excuse No, he just said, I'm going to do math. He sat on my leg, and I said, let me just do it. I did it with him. And he was fine. He did his thing. And then I said, son, very politely, I said, son, um, Daddy has to finish this thing now. Um, so, you got to go back upstairs to mommy, okay? And he said, okay. I am going to sit right here. He got off my leg and he sat right beside me on the floor. He was determined to spend time with daddy this morning. No matter what. He's like, oh, I can sit on your lap? All right, I'm going to sit right here. And I believe the Lord warns all of us as a church... In this season, to just be, just want to be in His presence, be determined to be in His presence, and just like that little boy says, "Listen, Daddy, I may not be on your lap, but I'm sitting right beside you." The Lord wants us, as a church, to be determined. When we gather to be in his presence. Yes. To be determined when you're at home. To be in his presence. Yes. We will never take. We should not take no for an answer. We will fight. As a church. We, for the next couple of months. We have to fight for what we want. Yes. We can't just be lackadaisical. Oh if he does it he does it. The devil is a liar. If you want a promotion at work. And they tell you what to do. You will do every single thing and that paper to get in. As a church, we know what we need to do to grow. Stop playing. We all know what we need to do. Make the time. If we want to grow as a church, that is it. Okay, it's not complicated. Let's make the time to grow. Let's make this space in our lives to grow. Let's make this space. This is not on my notes, trust me. It's not... Let's make the space to grow. We need space. Our lives are full currently. It is full to capacity. Work, full. Home, full. TV time, full. We are bursting at the seam. We have no time. The reason we are not growing is because we have no time to dedicate to growth it's not only church growth, it's personal growth. The reason why we are stuck or stagnant as Christians is because we don't make space in our lives to grow. There is no reading time. There is no time to just study and to know. There is no time to do practical things. There is no time to say, hey, you know what? I've been studying about uh, um, evangelism. Um, I probably should practice how to evangelize. As a matter of fact, why do I need to, where do I need to um, get a special team of evangelists um, when the Bible says that we should all go out? So if everybody in this church decides that, listen, all of us are going to go out and all of us are going to learn how to what? evangelize, then guess what? In no time, every single one of us will be bringing in one, two, three, four, five, because we are taking the Lord seriously. Yeah, we've been playing church, church. We've been playing church. And I believe it's time for us to really, as my mother would say, break up that folly ground. She would say to me, boy, break up that folly ground. That's what the Lord wants. So yeah, you know, we can do all the fancy stuff. How do you know that they make space for growth? As a church, we got to make space too for growth. It's not just physical space space when these people come in what do we do with them do they just walk in here and we say bless you we give them a phone call and say hey, thanks for coming to the gathering church but what is do we need to do what is do we really need to do if we are determined to make more disciples for Christ and that's the true determination it's not just for, for church growth but it's to make disciples for Christ so that somebody might walk in here who is just strong upon stuff. He gets converted by Christ. We help to disciple him through Christ. That person then disciples somebody who becomes a minister of the gospel. Who goes somewhere else. That's the ripple effect of us being true disciples. Is that the gospel gets spread? across the globe. Amen? Amen. I'm on the clock. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The clock is going. So so that determination. Amen? The next thing is we got to stop blaming other people. Okay? You know, this is verse 7 says, Sir, the, evangel- the ev- invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. I have no one. His first response is I have no one. To help me. You know, how many of them you know that we can't depend on people all the time to give us our breakthrough? Right. We can't depend on people every time to help us to get our breakthrough. You know, we just can't. You know, we need people, yes, and we really do need people to help us to get our breakthrough. You know, I, I was talking to my wife about this last night and, you know, it was... And kind i of telling her my thoughts. And, you know, one of the things that you, you probably missed a lot of time in this passage is it says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And what we miss sometimes is that someone else goes down. The truth is, sometimes. Um, You know, we don't think about that someone else, but the truth is somebody else is getting their breakthrough. A lot of other people are getting their breakthrough. And the question that this guy should have asked himself is why are they getting it? You know, did they have people helping them to get into the pool? Well, this guy was just sitting there, hey. I'm gonna try and get in myself. Sometimes we do need people because I'm sure that guy those guys who go there every every time the water is stored, they had somebody helping them to get in quickly. And sometimes the truth is we need somebody else to help us to get our breakthrough. We need someone else who we are going to be accountable to. You know, who's going to hold us to a standard. You know, the thing that one of the things we have with this new generation is that we don't want to be held accountable. You know, we want to do things by ourselves, the way we see it. The only way we see it, because we we have our own way of doing things. You know, the, you know I, I am a Jamaican, I'm doing the Jamaican way, I am an African, I do it the African way, I am Spanish, I do it the Spanish way, I'm doing I'm Caucasian, I do it the Caucasian way. But there is a standard and the standard is the word of God, and if we if we all rely and live on the word of God, then If somebody else is within our midst who is also um, a believer in the Word of God, they should be able to hold us accountable because the standard is not based on our race, it's not based on our ethnicity, it's not based on our financial standing. The standard is based on the Word of God. So that has to be our standard. We have to stop blaming other people, we have to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. It is so easy to feel sorry for ourselves. It's just me, me, me. They're always picking on me. We can't build our life around what people, other people can do for us. But at the same time, we have to figure out how do we include other people in our lives to help us to become better. You know, in business, in... um. In in corporate America, you, we have what we call coaches or mentors. Those are people who help us to get to our goals. What if in church we began to have mentors? Mentors. True mentors. Like you can walk up, you know, a young man could walk up to me who's married and say, Listen, I want to become a good husband. I have no clue at this point because my dad probably was not there, or the example I got from him was not the best. He had some good stuff, but not the best. Um, will you mentor me, or will a group of you guys mentor me who are married? Amen. Like, there's a lot of experience in here. There are a lot of women who are struggling. Single women struggling. What if some of the young, the, the married sisters will just come together and say, let's mentor these young women, so that they don't... <laughs> That they can find a man, like seriously, there's an art to finding a husband. It's not like, hey, it's an art, okay? What if you mentor these young women into becoming um, women of God who are attractive to men, not just physical beauty, but their inner beauty? We will have less women being um, frustrated in our church. Because I guarantee you, when a man is ready and he sees a woman who is ready, there is no long waiting. But the truth is, sometimes we allow our sisters to be out there um, in the wind. When the truth is, some of us who are married and have been there, if you had just bring them in and just say, listen, this is what is going on here. Don't let this boy trick you. These are the signs. No, no no keep moving it will just prevent so much hurt disappointment what if we really became serious and became a true community in that way do you think our church would change you think our people would change i think they would the truth is we can't be lazy and expect a breakthrough okay we can't be lazy and expect a breakthrough. We can't just fold our arms and expect a breakthrough. We, we got to do some things. So, we got to leave the pretty party. And we're going to have to join the hallelujah party. Amen? Join the, leave the pretty party. Join the hallelujah party. <clears throat> so, the next point I have is after you... You, you you decide that you're still determined to get your breakthrough after you have you stop blaming others the next thing you have to do is you have to ask yourself do you have the faith to receive do you have the faith to receive the bible says then jesus said to him get up pick up your mat And that once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The truth is the guy didn't know Jesus from Adam's. And he could have laid there and said, you know what? Stop playing. The water didn't stir, brother. I'm waiting for the water. I'm not moving. And the truth is sometimes our breakthrough come and pass us. Because we do not have the faith to receive it. We believe God for it. We really do believe God for it. And let me tell you what belief means. Um, it means it is to feel sure about the truth of something. We can feel sure that God is going to give us a breakthrough. We can feel sure that God is going to change your wife. not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is going to kill me for that one. But <laughs> he will change. God will change your husband, but he will not change your wife. Okay? Forget it. She was not going to change. Amen. Accept her for who she is. She is not going to change. I'm telling you. I've given up on that one. Accept her for who she is in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord. You better accept her for who she is. Um, she's not going to change. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory. She's smiling. God, help me. <laughs> it's not a good sign when she's smiling. <laughs> Lord, help me. Oh, Lord. See, i am lost my track now. I can't even preach anymore. <laughs> I mess it up. All right. So, decreeing and declaring won't help you. You know, I've seen so many people in my lifetime declare and decree, declare and decree that Jesus is the, that, that the Lord is going to do this. Yes, 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 He's going to do it. That is believing. That is the first step. But then there comes faith, and faith, faith is a little bit different. You know, faith is the assurance that things hope for, um, the conviction of things not seen, right? Um. So faith has two components. It's two components, okay? And and this is the part that I like the most. There is the intellectual assent and trust. Intellectual assent and trust, right? What is intellectual assent? It is believing something to be true. So you're believing that God can do something, right? And then there is trust. Trust is actually relying on the fact that something is true. It is relying on the fact that something is true. You know, I heard um, a pastor. Is it? I can't remember his name. Use it. This explain it this way. It's like you go into out into the parking lot with your car keys, and you sit on the bonnet of the bonnet, the bonnet of the car, the front of the car, and you said to yourself, um, "I am believing the Lord that if I put the keys in this ignition and turn it over, it, the car will start and I will and I will get to my destination." That is belief. You believe that. But trust is taking a step further. And you say, you take your keys and you go into that car and you turn the ignition. You're doing. You're doing. So belief is, it's a state of mind. It is not moving. It is static. You stand right here and you believe that something is going to happen. Trust is when you take it a step further and you put that ignition in that car. You turn it over, you move it into drive, and you go. God wants us to move from just belief, staying static and saying, I believe in God, to trust where we are doing the very thing that he has commanded us because we know that he is with us. So as a church, we got to get to trust where we get up and say, hey, we know that we, we these chairs here are not just chairs. They're actually for people to sit in and get fed. So guess what? We're going to trust that if we get up out of this building, get onto, the, onto those streets, if we start to do some little things differently, if we start to talk to our neighbors about Christ, yeah. inviting them to church. The trust is that if I do this, then the Lord will bring the increase. Yeah. Yeah. But not just sitting in here and hope. But those pastors say, "Hope in stats, and hope that the Lord will do it." Amen. But we get to trust. Amen. I've got two minutes to go, so here we go. I'm just joking, y'all. Um, so once you get the faith to receive, and um, the next thing we have to do is, once you receive it, don't look back. Don't look back. And this one hit me this morning when I was doing my final little prep. If you go down to verse 14, right? You know, Jesus sent the man away. He got healed. He went to the synagogue and he showed himself to the people. And they were just like, Who healed you? And he said, Hey, I don't even know the guy's name. And then Jesus saw him again. And Jesus said to him, Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. And the truth is, when we get to our breakthrough, All Jesus wants us to do is what? Don't go back. Leave it alone. Hey, you have shaken it already. Don't go back. Don't go back to where you're coming from. You have been free. You have been set free. Jesus healed you. And in our case, we can declare, we can we know for sure that Jesus will heal us. He will give us the breakthrough that we desire. But when we do get that breakthrough, leave it alone. Don't go back. Don't go back into it. Because as it says here, something worse may happen if you go back there. Amen? Amen. So, I want to encourage us today that once we get free, stay free. Once we get delivered, stay delivered. Resist the devil and he will free from you. The Bible says, who the son set free is truly free indeed. Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you you need as a breakthrough. But one thing I can tell you, that Jesus, when he comes in, it just takes a word for him to do it. Yes, you have to do your part, but he will turn it around for you. Isaiah 61 3 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. In other words, it may be, it may seem to you like you know everything is on fire now. But he will give you beauty. He will turn it somehow with that charcoal that you see from the fire. He will give you beauty for your ashes. What next he says? The oil of joy for mourning. You may feel pain. You may feel hurt. But somehow he will pour the oil of joy for your mourning. He will give you joy in that place where you hurt. It may not be today. Today. But I guarantee you will get to the place where you say, I know have joy for my morning, Then he says, he will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Somehow, somewhere, you will be able to praise him for those things that you're going through. You'll be able to lift your hands and say, Even though I am scarred, even though I am hurt, I will praise you, Lord. He will give you the praise in the midst of that. And to and to wrap it up, he says, That they might be called trees of righteousness, the plant of the Lord. And then I love how he ended. He says. That he might be glorified. Know that whatever it is you're going through, when you receive your breakthrough, it is for one person, purpose, that he might be glorified. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. was doing this I, I was challenged I personally was challenged I was really challenged um, but what am I doing you know what am I really doing am I really um, am I really serious about the faith have I lost my first love um, I was just challenged in many areas and, and I don't know if you are like me and you're challenged um, you know I, I think we're all challenged as a church I um, so, I just want to pray a prayer for all of us. Um, that, you know, we, we, we will, we will, we will get our breakthrough. But in order to get it, we will actually do what we really need to do. We will really know what our condition is. What is it that is holding us back? You know, we will be determined. We will make sure that we are determined to go all the way for Christ. We will stop blaming other people for, all, you know, for where we are and just not taking full responsibility. We've got to take full responsibility for where we are and what we need to do. And then when it comes to it, all, we have to have the faith to really receive what God has for us. So Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you, Lord, for challenging us as a church. Challenge us as individuals, God, to know that our breakthrough also needs our participation. It needs our participation, God. It is not just for us to just believe only, to be static, to stand one place and say, I'm believing God for. But it actually takes faith, God, where we move to to the place of trust, where we know because we believe God will do great things. So Father, we pray, oh God, that you'll forgive us. Forgive us, God, for taking you for granted in so many areas of our life. Thank, you. Forgive us, God, for taking oh, even our salvation for granted. Forgive us, God, for not passionate about, you know, anybody else's soul but ours and our wives and our family and our kids only. But help us, oh God, to just have a heart where we Compassionate about the souls of others among us, for our neighbors, for our acquaintances. Father, we just pray, oh God, that your anointing, God, the anointing, God, the, the Holy Spirit, God, will just make sure, Lord God, that we change. We pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, will just quicken our minds whenever. We just take these things for granted. We take salvation for granted. Prepare, O God, that you would just enlighten us, God. Enlighten our spirits, God, about who to minister to, who to share your gospel with, who to be strategic about, God, who to have a a one-year plan for, God, to lead to Christ. A five-year plan to lead to Christ. Whatever it takes, God, help us to have plans, Lord, God, not just for our own lives, but also plans, Lord Jesus, to see souls, Deep in our midst God become Christians so father we thank you for our time together we pray oh God that you will just be with us all as we go through this week in Jesus name we pray in the church say amen